Even though Shnas Hashemitah is drawing to an end, and Shoshana uh, is just over two weeks' time, and it's the end of the year Shemitah. But nevertheless, there's still a number of halachas specific to Shemitah, which are specifically applicable in Dafka now at the end of Shemitah. And that's very Hashem what I want to talk about tonight, the halachas which are which we have to know about after Shemitah. So the first one, there's a myth in the Torah of Shemitah's Ksafim, and that is if a person has a debt, a person has a loan, so it comes the end of Shemitah, and he's no longer allowed to claim that loan. From a postdoc, that money which is owing to a person, and uh, by the end of Shemitah, so you can't be gave it anymore. That doesn't mean that from the point of view of the lender, he shouldn't try and pay. The mission says at the end of Shviz, that if a if a person gives back a debt after Shviz, that's considered the right thing to do. But from the point of view of the lender, the is he's not allowed to claim that money. From his point of view, the, the Chayv is no longer obligatory. According to most chitters of the Rishonim, according to the Paiskim, this then applies at the end of Shemitah. And therefore comes the end of Shemitah, Erev Rosh Hashanah. Any outstanding debts that a person has, if he doesn't do something about it, will become bottle. The category of what becomes bottle isn't just a loan in the context of a person lent somebody money, but it can also be a debt. So if a person did a service and for a client who didn't pay yet, or a person sold something and the person who bought it, again, he should have paid it, he hasn't yet paid, that's also called debt. It doesn't just have to apply to a debt of money, anything which is called a halva would be the same. So if a person's neighbor borrowed a kilo of flour or sugar or whatever it would be, that would be in that category too. It doesn't apply to things which are a sha'ila, which aren't called a halva. So for example, if I lend somebody an item of clothing or a safer, so that's my item, he has to give it back to me. But anything which he has to pay to replace, not to give back the same item which was given, that falls in the category of halva. Also included in this category are investments or bank accounts. If it's a Jewish bank or a person invested with a Jewish company, so there also, it's a, he's given money, there's now a debt to repay that money, and therefore that will also fall into the category of a chayv, which Shviz is Mishamit. What's the status of a gemach? A gemach, 100%. So a person, or a halva? A pashas, it's a halva. So if someone puts money in a gemach, that's a halva? He's lending money to the gemach, or he's lending so mafkid money? money is a halva. If, uh, especially here where, he's, uh, where, where it's not the same money which is getting back and therefore the Gmach has a debt to repay him so then for sure if a person is running the Gmach these are all cases which would fall under the umbrella of Chayvis which the Torah would uh, say that comes Shviz the, the Chayvis misbat or the Chayvis cancelled But the Hatteres can become a partner in the, uh, in the investment uh, Yes, it's not partial because even Hatteres is Palgama or Palgami Kodim so we have to work out exactly how to explain structure, but part of it is still a halva. And what if it was uh, an investment that goes straight towards uh, a percentage of the investment and it's not a halva? Unless I own, if I own equity, then it's not a halva. But if it's not a, something that I own, something which has to be repaid to me, so then it's a halva. Okay, so that, that's the deal of halva. What are the aids what a person can do about that? Assuming they don't want to lose their money from Schmitter. So there are three options which we have. Uh, the first one is brought in the Mishnah, 
But even though this is the Mishnah's preferred option, it's not that practical today. And the first one which the Mishnah says is if a person lends money with a mashkon. A person takes collateral for a loan. And the, the reason why Shvis isn't Mashamid that is because it's true that the money is by him, but the object is by me. And if that's the case, he's not going to give me the money, I'm going to hold on to the object. So in some way, I already have something which is going to replace the value of the loan, the value of the debt. Obviously, if that's the case, there's no focus about this, but most points can hold. But if that's the case, if I lend somebody 100 and he gave me a mash, which is only worth 50, so then I only have 50. What I have in hand is only 50. Uh, the other 50, the, the Shviyas will be Mashamit. Again, so there's most poskim, all those poskim will hold, and once I've been going even part of the Chayv, then Shviyas doesn't apply, and therefore even the Mashkan, and part of the value would would make it the case of a Chayv which Shviyas isn't Mashamit. Now, why well, I say that's not, even though that's the Mishnah's preferred option, and indeed that used to be the way people took loans. The Chayv time and Abbas Chesed writes, if a person wants to run a Gemach, or he wants to give loans, you must make sure always to take a mashkin for the loans he gives. But in recent times, it's fallen into disuse, the idea of taking mashkins. Kemat, no, no one insists on a mashkin, even Gemachim, they want guarantors, they want Arabian, but they don't ask for mashkinists. And the reason for that is, is because there's Kemat, no value today in second-hand merchandise. It's not worth so much. And therefore, in the olden days, if a person would uh, use their, no, their, their second jacket as their Kvikodim, or the Kiddush cup, Today, no one's going to do that because it's not worth the chub. Most people would rather buy new than buy second hand, and therefore there isn't such a value to mashkainas. Even then, it's not as valuable as a new one, so it's not worth the value of the thing you're giving it for because second hand depreciates too much. Uh, and if that's the case, so that's not such a practical option. And therefore, we get to our second option, which is also the Mishnah, and this is the Takona of Hillel to attack in the Prosper. So, before we explain what to do to make a prosbul, let's just explain the mechanics of how a prosbul works. The way a prosbul works is that the isr, like we said, is on the individual to be over his debts. But, the isr doesn't apply to, be, to a bastin who's acting in the capacity of a bastin. They're allowed to enforce the halacha. And therefore, the basic principle of a prosbul is, it's according to Rashi, but it's also the nusach of the prosbul, and that is that a person's moisir chavos of the bastin. Which means what he's doing is, he's, in, in, he's in giving based in the authority to collect debts. And even though based also mechoiv in the Torah, but the Torah forbade in Shemitah was collecting the debts which are owing to him. Whereas if a person is acting as a basin, they're not his debts. He's just collecting on behalf of a case which came to him and he's enforcing the halacha, that wouldn't apply. And the reason we need it now. That's, so that's the, the basic premise of a, a prosbul, according to Rashi. Also, it's a star which a person's moistened the rest of the basin, a star which a person, so to speak, entrusts basin with authority to collect his debts. Uh, that's also the nusach of the standard prosbul, the prosbul of Chaznish, and the Masrani Lachem, Tony, Tony, and Tony, the Dayanim, that I'm giving you the Chayvis, Sheikh Ben, the Kosman, Sheretz. That's the simple nusach that the Chaznish is trying to have a prosbul, which basically means one's entrusting. The ability to be going over the debts to a bestie. Why does one need a bestie? Why can you just entrust it to somebody else? So the answer is very simple. If you're entrusting another individual with uh, to collect debts, he's working as your shlech. If that's the case, if I can't collect a debt, my shlech can't collect a debt for me either. He's working on, on my behalf. Whereas a, a bestie is meant to be working in an independent capacity as dayonim, so then if that's the case, they aren't my shlechim. They're working as a bestie. If that's the case, they aren't doing it for me. They're doing it because that's the that's, that's their responsibility as a basic. Now, the question is, 
who can one use as a best Yeah, who can be used as a best In other words, Erev Rosh Hashanah, everybody, anyway, is going to put together a basin to say Ataris Nadarim. So can those same three people that have managed to quarrel together and sit down for Ataris Nadarim be used for a prosbul too? Three people, for some things, three men count as a best because can they do my prosbul for me? Or is that not good enough? And the reason is, is because if we need a basin which has authority to collect debts, so there it has to be what's called a basin chashuv, which means a basin which has like authority. It's not just any three people who gather together. Maybe they have the right to enforce the law. There's a machlekes about this, but there definitely shidduchs which hold that that's why it's more, it's better for a prosbul to go to a recognized basin that acts as a basin who deals with debt collection, that acts as a basin who deals with the money cases, rather than just using three people. Well, now. One second. Obviously, it doesn't mean that everyone has to line up outside the offices of the Badats, the Sheriff's Israel, and Erev Shoshana. What's understood is the Bastin can make itself satellite Bastins, which means they're un- we're acting under the auspices of a Bastin, and therefore, really, being as we agents of a Bastin to, ex- to accept prosbols, it means that the Bastin which we're representing can um, can be then give you go over So, a lot of Rabbanim who are attached to bigger Bastins will sign principles, so to speak, as agents of the bestie. So, for example, in Svarad Yishalayim, uh, a lot of the Rabbanim are affiliated with Sheriff Israel, uh, whether it's Rach uh, or Dar Mogestan, or Nachum Eisenstein, or this neighborhood, there are a few Rabbanim, uh, and Shul so whatever it is, a lot of the Rabbanim in this neighborhood, and this part of Yishalayim, uh, work with Sheriff Israel, and that becomes a bestie in Choshev. And therefore, uh, if we're going to sign principles here in the Shalos, uh, it'll be in the t- as a affiliate of Sheriff Israel. And therefore, we're doing it on behalf of a best in Khashiv who has the right to be Kaiba Khaiba. Same thing does uh, Rabbanim or does Matsim who are connected to the, the Badat, the Ali Kharedis, will do it as, as representatives of the Ali Kharedis. That's the idea of a prosbul. Now, that's back in order to have the prosbul, we need firstly uh, three people who are going to be a best in. The second thing, which is a requirement of a prosbul, is that the loiva has to have karka. The loiva has to own ground, either own ground or have rented ground. Because the way the prosbul works is that that there has to have been something already which we can be going on behalf of the debt, and therefore if he has karka and we know that when a person has a, uh, obligations to pay, we have a shibud on his there's a certain lien on his assets as well to pay, and therefore if a person has a karka, so then we can say that we already been going with that karka now as a way to be going with the chayv, and even if it's not the same value as the chayv. It doesn't make a difference. We already started. We have a machum gvir, what's called. Uh, most people would have what's halachically called karka in order to sign a prosbul. In other words, it doesn't have to be their own property. Their renting property is also enough because then that's a ra- property they have the right of usage to. Well, this is always a sh- they have the ability to use the property if they're renting it. But they can use it for a loan. So they can use it for a loan. So for other things. For the extent of the contract. So, so for the principle, the right. So for for the purpose of the principle, we say that's enough. The question always is, Bachem and Yeshivas, who don't necessarily aren't renting the property or don't own anything. So if a person is owed money by a Bachem, what's he meant to do in order to to recoup his money? So for purposes, uh, in cases like that, firstly, Rosh Hashanah used to say that therefore every Rosh Hashiva should give his Bachem the right to. Uh, use them in place where their bed is or where their closet is as a makum to that for prosbols. But even if that wouldn't be the case, the halacha is the malve can be makmi four amas to the lover. And in that way, 
there's a karka which the raven now has and it can be used for the for the shkiris. What if your whole deer is 30 meters and you have a lot of people that owe you money? So you give each one a dar alat frachim, whatever it is. Not because then you don't have access to that. You can be makna for amis of rented yes. karka also? Yes. Uh, now, the, what if, the what question here... What if you get help paying the rent? He's so not really the one paying the rent. So, but he has the right of usage. Oh, okay. uh, now, what the, the question they ask her is, by, be, so to speak, being makne karka to the rover, I'm not able to write a prisoner which is going to require him to pay me. So how can I do that without the lever knowing so, about it? So normally we say that to give somebody karka is a zakhir. But in a case like this, where it actually comes out to his detriment, because now that he has karka, you can write a prisoner against him, so why are we allowed to do that? without the level knowing about it even. And the answer is, when you look at Zach and you look at the first step of what you do, the second step or the third step uh, isn't uh, isn't uh, what you take into consideration. And therefore, if right now to, to be Makhna person Karaka is considered a Schos, we, we, we did something good for him. Because of that Schos, now you're going to be able to go the from him. Okay, that's a, a second, so to speak, stage effect. It doesn't change the principle of Zach. That's, the, that's what's needed for a principle. Be'ez Hashem, yes, Be'ez Hashem, before Shoshonah, we'll do Pesbos Yom Nishon. We did Besafik, and the reason for that was because there's one chit, the Shulchan Aruch Harab, who holds that you went to make a Pesbos at the beginning of Shemitah, so just the year to that day, we, we signed a Pesbos. But mm-hmm. according to everybody else, the, and for sure, the Ikat time to sign a Pesbos is the end of Shemitah. Now, we tried to do a Pesbos as close as possible to Rosh Hashanah, and the reason is, is because the Gemara says the Pesbos only works on loans which have already taken place. A principle doesn't work for future loans. And therefore, if a person would sign a principle today and someone would borrow something from him next week, the principle won't work for that. And therefore, normally principles are written on Erev Rosh Hashanah or very close to Rosh Hashanah because that way there will be no chayvis outstanding after the principle and uh, the principle will cover everything. Now, what happens if a person finds himself on Erev Rosh Hashanah and he hasn't written the principle and he's not available based on his right now to go to? So, Rabbi Yashiv suggested another eight also based on the Gemara in Makkas. The Gemara says, and this is the Chiddush, the Gemara says, and the Chiddush of the Gemara, but the, the Gemara says that the din that Shemitah cancels loans only works for loans which are already due. Loans with a Jew that hasn't yet come aren't affected by Shemitah. So if I would lend somebody money today, which is payable in a year's time, he'll still have to pay me in a year's time, because when the cut-off date of the end of the Shemitah year comes, that loan wasn't yet due, he didn't owe me anything yet. When he will owe me something, when the term of the of the, the time that he's meant to pay back is up, and he has to pay back, now it's not Shemitah anymore. What if there's no due date? So, the so, is that uh, in, in, in the default amount of time for loan is 30 days. 30 days? Yes, yeah, so and if unless otherwise specified, a person has 30 days to repay a halva. That's halva for money. Halva uh, of items is not so clear what the, what the time to pay back is. Now, if I knock on my neighbor's door and ask to borrow a, a bottle of wine, how much time do I have to pay him back? It's not so clear, but when the Gemara is talking about money, it says, Islam of Rosh Hashim Yom. And therefore, because of that, so Rabbi Yashiv had an answer like this. If a person is Arab Shoshana and he hasn't had a chance to write a principle for whatever reason, what he can do is give everybody an extension. All the chavis which I do, I'm giving them another three months, another six months, they don't have anything right now. Everyone has more time to pay me. And if that's the case, no chayv is due right now, only due in the future. And therefore, shvirus won't affect those chayvus. 
he wants to go, again, we have to go to the line as we said before. And that is that I don't even have to tell the Levi about it. That I'll extend the time he has to pay me. Why not? Because it's chus for him. I'll give him more time to pay. Even though in this case, this chus means he'll have to pay. And if without this chus, he wouldn't have had to pay. It's the same story we said before. And that is, if giving somebody something is called this chus, the results which come around as a secondary effect of that chus, we don't look at. The Lobby doesn't have to accept the extension. The Lobby doesn't have an option. So it it's up to me. doesn't make it like a bottle, the whole, the whole topic of, of, of uh, Shrita canceling loans is, is bottled. It, it, every Lobby will say, I'm extending. He has to do that. He might not want to extend. And so we say, say by a prosbul. If we have one person writes a prosbul, so it's mevatel the lot. But I mean mevatel the dinner of Shmita, which cancels loans. Okay, we have options like that. And the reason, like the Gemara already says in Gitin, the reason why the Rabban looked for these options is because there's an Esther in the Torah that if a person is asked to lend money just before Shmita, and he's worried he's not going to get his money back, and the Torah says, Yisham Melecha, and you're not going to lend money. And that's a very normal thing. If a person thinks, now I lend the money next week, I'm not going to be able to get it back, and I have no way to prevent that happening, a lot of people aren't going to lend money. And that's the Raisa. And therefore, it's better to find an aid for people that they will feel confident to lend money, even if it means they're not going to get the Nishmah Jaskasafi. But having said that, now, one last point. And that is, does a man have to write, or does a lady have to write the principle too? This all depends. If she has her own money or her own savings or her own accounts, and she's lent money from that, then it's her khiv. It's her khiv to her. And she's that's because if she's married, but she's separate bank accounts. But, or savings, or whatever it might be. So if everything shared, then the husband writes on behalf of his wife too. If, for whatever reason, she has her own, uh, her own account or her own funds which is lent out, for example, a lady lent money before she was married, and no one no, hasn't been paid back to her yet, then she'd have to write a principle too. Okay, that's the get to the principle. There's one last point. Wait, wait, so the lady has to do that, so women will come into the show. Oh, as a husband, so therefore then? Husband can write it, yeah. husband can write it for her. Right. Why is, why is the Malvel allowed to collect the money if it's Besden's... Yeah, the is in charge because of the then the basin will say we are too busy to deal with everyone's lines. You can get on our behalf. Does the basin actually have to say that? It's part of the nusach. Oh, it is. It's part of the nusach. And that's like the day after Rosh Hashanah. Whenever you want to collect it, that's not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if I lend money for Rosh Because of this side, uh, which means what, yes, there are ways to prevent the t- the terrorist din of the talans becoming now. There are ways to do that. But on the other hand, this is a mitzvah. The mitzvah that let the loan go, you know, cancel it, is a mitzvah that I say. It's a mitzvah that you only get once every seven years. And therefore, a lot of the poets can say, it's a chaval not to do a mitzvah. And therefore, what a lot of people do is an Arab mitzvah, after writing the prosbul, they're going to lend somebody money. And they'll say, yeah, that money, that's going, it's my mitzvah, the mitzvah, mitzvah, ksafim, and they want to see it again. Um, if it's, a, it's a very good thing to do, but you have to bear in mind one thing, and that is, like we said before, so if I give a guy five shekel, I you five shekel, and I don't say anything more than that, he only owes it back to me, and if that's the case, the Shemit is not going to do anything to it. And therefore, I'm going to have to tell him, I'm giving you five shekel, it's due back in an hour's time. And then if I don't take the money back, I'll let the Shemit, I'll, I'll let the mitzvah of Shemit be mashamated, and I'll be doing a mitzvah the rice of the next Schmitz to cancel the hive. People take it to the next step.
then do what? That the mat lever comes back to the mouth and says, I thought peaking. Yes. Right? So yeah. they should have a ruach right. right, so they'll have to give back and like I said, doesn't want it. Okay, we can go through the whole, the whole procedure. Fine. Okay, that's the first thing we want to talk about, was to get the end of Shemitah, is the din of Shemitah's and the din of Prasbah. I still, I'm still adding, obviously, sorry. Just the end of Shemitah, and we actually haven't spoken of it before, and that's... Uh, Something a person has to be aware of is also a mitzvah deraisa, and that is the mitzvah of zman beer. And uh, we learn from a pasuk that even though a person is allowed to take shmita produce and keep it, keep a certain amount of shmita produce, that's only as long as that produce is still available in the field. Since the pasuk says shmita, it's and the Gemara learns that you're only allowed to store shmita produce for your animals or for yourself. If it's still available for the Chaya Shebratech, it's still available in the wild, which means on the trees. But whenever a certain crop, is not, the season ends and it's no longer available on the trees, I'm no longer allowed to have it in my house either. And therefore the Gemara says, Kalei L'chaya Min Asadeh, then you have to be Kalei L'vehemtucha Min Abais. When it's no longer available on the trees, I can't keep it in my house anymore. And this is Naget to all the Shemitah fruit, which all of the Shushviz. And as we approach the end of the summer and the season for each fruit ends, which means you won't find these fruits on the trees anymore, one's not allowed to have them in their house. What does he need to do with it? It's a machlok between the Rambam and all the other Hishan. The Rambam understood that the mitzvah of Kalei means destroy it. And therefore, when each mitzvah fruit, as long as mitzvah fruit is still available in the market, Berega, there's no longer mitzvah fruit available in the trees, I have to destroy each mitzvah fruit. Uh, most boys can argue with the Rambam, and the Fashul Ashkenazim don't pass them like that. And we hold that uh, to destroy the Shemitah from your house, it's enough to be mafkirt. And therefore, before the Shah Sabir, a person will have to take whatever of that species of that min that he has of Shemitah and take it outside and be mafkirt. And what's the way to do that? You gather three people or three neighbors or three pastors, whatever it is, and say, This is Kadesh uh, Shvi's fruit, this is before the Shemitah Sabir, and be mafkirt what I have. Once he's been mafkirt, one second. Once he's been mafkirt, he's allowed to take it back. And he also allowed to take it back. It's called the regular din of hefka. If a person doesn't do that, then you might have to destroy it. And as if he missed the shas of you. So that's the that's the the the, the principle of the din. Okay. So so that's the the shit of what, the principle of what a person has to do. Now, like we said, a person has to be on top of this because it's not one date for everything. Every fruit has its own time. And therefore, it has to, whatever fruits of Shvi is what it has in one's house, one has to be aware of when's the Shasavir for that specific particular fruit, so then he knows the root of it in time. Now, when it's talking about fresh fruit, it's not so difficult because anyway, it doesn't last too long, and uh, probably a person won't have so much stores of it when the Shasavir comes. It's primarily again for three things. Number one is uh, grape juice or wine. Uh, grape juice or wine. Because the mice, the, the, the vineyards that they have there to show where they produce the grape juice and wine from will produce fruit in the Shemitah also. You can't destroy the trees. So what they do is they bottle it. They, they, they make it into grape juice and wine, they bottle it. Just they don't charge that fruit because it has enough the Shemitah. They can't charge for the grape juice and wine. They charge for the workers and for the bottles. So you can get oats are based in grape juice, oats are based in wine. And the store sell it? The store not allowed to sell it, but they'll distribute it. Just like they distribute oats are based in fruit, they'll distribute oats are based in wine. And the problem is, grape juice and wine can remain in this bottle for a number of years. If that's the case, if a person does have stores of grape juice or wine, which is Kutushish Feast, one has to be aware of the Shasta beer for grapes. Because when there's no longer grapes in the field, one's not allowed to own the grape juice or the wine, 
one has to get rid of it. To be after it. Now it's not that this isn't that common yet, and the reason is is because there isn't that much shviz wine on the market yet. It takes time, and therefore uh, most often when the shasta beer for grapes comes, which is towards the end of the like into the winter, most of the grape juice and the wine which was produced from those grapes are still in the factory, and therefore it's the job of whichever basin the oats are based in, they have to deal with the the, the problem of shasta beer. Whether a basin needs to be mafka or not mafka is, is a big discussion. But it's either way around, it's not so practical for us, we don't yet have it. Where it's more of a shayla is by olive oil. Olive oil. The same thing. Olives which grow in the shayla, they're not going to let the olives go to waste. They have to use them. They make oil like every other year, and the oil, the oil has kdushashvis. Olive oil doesn't spoil, so it can, it can last for a long time. But olive oil doesn't need to ferment like wine. And therefore you can have olives, olive oil on the market already before the olive season is ended. And therefore a person has to be aware of that. Because uh, you know, if you bought olive oil for Hanukkah, for Shabbos candles, or for whatever it is, the person wants to eat it or cook with it. So one has to be aware of when the Shasta beer is, because one has to be after it. Same thing, uh, people that process fruit. Those people after Sukkot are going to make esrog jelly or whatever it is, then there's a Shasta beer for esrogin. And if a person is going to make dried, uh, dried dates, for example, or raisins, these things will still come from the original fruit, and the Shasta beer is going to apply. And then, sorry. No, you have to be asking. Right. So that, that's the second thing, which which is going to be negev for the next few months, and that is every kind of fruit to keep abreast of when its shasta beer is, especially if I'm preserving it or or, or freezing it or making like using it in other things, which means it's going to last longer than fresh fruit lasts. To make sure I don't miss the shasta beer. No, you spoke. Yeah. I didn't know when the shasta beer. Last thing I want to talk about, which is also practical, um, especially this year, is uh, the estrogen. Um, because here we have a problem. And the estrogen which grew this year, and even though the Mishnah says that an estrogen, when it comes to shvis, is bottled like itosik yerek, you go after when the estrogen is picked. But we already know that it's a big machlagis yashanim. And that is, do we go after when it's actually picked, or after when it's ready to pick? And if that's the case, if something is, if an esrog is ready to pick before Rosh Hashanah, it's going to have Kedusha Shviz, even if it's uh, picked after Rosh Hashanah, according to some Rosh which of course can say, we have three And therefore, what do we do about Kedusha Shviz, esrog? So, there's three separate steps to the problem. The first one is, how do you get an esrog? So, in that sense, it's much easier. Because the people, the, a person can't sell it, that's Kedusha Shviz. So what's going to happen with Ezraqim is, again, it won't be sold, it'll be Ezra Basin. The Basin will go down to, the, or has gone down to the Ezraq fields and collect Ezraqim, and it's going to bring them to all the big cities and distribute Ezraqim. It'll be very cheap because they can't charge you for the Ezraq, so all they can charge you for is the amount of time that it took somebody to cut the Ezraq and put it in a box, and the cost of the truck to bring it to your Shalai. But on the other hand, since you can't you can't pay for parish fees, so then the amount it costs them to cut down a kosher esrog and a mahuda esrog and a pasla esrog is all the same. And therefore, all esrog are the same price. And the way that works is, you can only buy esrog in a closed box. They only sell esrog in closed boxes. You pay 30, 40, or 50 shak, whatever, everyone has their own price, very cheap. A 30 shak, 40 shak for an esrog, but you, you get a closed box. It might be perfect, it might be, it might be terrible. Because you're not paying for the fruit, you're paying for the work of picking it and putting it in a box. Uh, uh, yes, they normally try and take it the real psalim. 
But it could be anything because, again, it's, uh, and you can't complain because you paid for someone's work, you didn't pay for the extra. Is it kosher? Uh, the best thing is that you can't buy the fruit. So you can't weigh it, you can't choose it, and you can't, it has to be uh, the price for the whatever. So once you're charging people for a closed box, no one's going to pay too much. Where can the rubs work to give this the hexure stamp? You know? uh, yeah, so if, if there is a person checking, you can take a you can take a salary and it'll we'll split up and all that's regular. Um, there are those people who say that the asterisk and Schmitter cost them more than every other year because they have to go back to about 10 boxes until they find one they want. But okay, whatever, that, that's the one option. And that is to buy a closed box, which is oh, it's the best. The option is to go down to the field yourself and choose your own asterisk, which is fine. Field Hefka, you know, you can walk in and take a asterisk. You just can't take too many, because the thing is that a person can only take Muslim Shlesha Siddhas, which means enough for three meals he's going to go down to a field to take. And uh, it's not exactly clear how many Israelim will eat at a meal, especially if you need them anyway. And if it was basically say you can take three Israelim. It's not definitely not less than one a meal. So you can take three Israelim. And uh, with that, and this is the problem, and that is, because there's another Israelim tree, so you know how to cultivate the ground. So normally, Israelim need a lot of work. They have to make sure there are no thorns, they wrap them in, they wrap them to make sure they don't hit the tree, they water them extra to make sure that they grow bigger. There's a lot of work involved in cultivating that Israelim, they couldn't do that this year. And therefore, even though the Maisa, you could get a free Israelim if you wanted, but the chance of finding a Mahuda Israelim is much, much less, because without the, without all the work that they always do, the Israelim aren't going to grow as well. And the primary thing is it will be much, much harder to find an Israelim with a pitter. Because like we've explained in previous years, the reason why the pitmus falls out is because the esrog doesn't get enough water. And therefore the, the fruit of the esrog absorbs all the water and there's none for the pitmus staying on the top. So it dries up and dies and falls out. And the, the way that they've worked worked out how to make sure esrog has pitmus is to inject water into it the whole time and there was enough water to keep the pitmus alive too. But the esrog is per person. Some of yeah. those 10 children. Each one can take three. But, yeah. But uh, in the case like to this year when they can't inject water in the esrog, it's more than it needs to be the say. So they won't. And then the fitness will all die. So it'll be much harder to find an esrog with a pitmus. So because of that, what the various esrog uh, cultivators did a few years ago, foreseeing a shmitah was coming, uh, they took esrog increase to Morocco and planted them there. Because Morocco is hot starat, Morocco is the right climate to grow esrogim. And uh, they claim, and before circus, they're bringing in all the esrogim from Morocco. Now, that has no conditions is, and they could cultivate them properly. So it might be very nice in Shreigim, I don't know, we haven't, haven't come yet. But on the other hand, it can be extremely expensive. Because once there's no din of Shreigim, you can charge with Tilak. Once there's no din of Shreigim, they can charge with Tilak for their Shreigim. There's no condition of Shreigim in there. Much less supply also, probably. Much, don't of course, there'll be much less supply. Wow. With the Shreigim. Now, even after one has an Shreigim, one has to remember that the Shreigim is condition of Shreigim. And therefore, of course, one can use it for the mitzvah and circus. But afterwards, one has to take care of it, take care of the Shreigim. Uh, because it's it's just the fact that it is for a mitzvah doesn't mean that it's uh, doesn't mean that one can after treat it without the regular oxygen shvis. The big question which is always asked is the motive to take a shrugim to chutzlaret. The person wants to send a shrugim to his family chutzlaret, or himself is traveling overseas for yomtiv. Can he take an esrog with him? Because the normal din is uh, that one can't take shvis fruit to chutzlaret. And the question is that's to eat. Is is the mitzvah any different? Kiyadur, this was a big machlokes between the Nativ and the son of Rav Chaim Vilajna. They had a big, uh, but uh, 
Most boys can hold that one is allowed to take an esrog to chuzlar to terech mitzvah, but a lot of boys can hold, but then afterwards you have to bring it back again. Because even if you use it for a mitzvah, but you can't eat it in chuzlar, so then you have to, after circus, you have to return the esrog to Israel, Yisrael, uh, like the regular dinim of Ketusha Shvis. That's the dinim of, of Shvis by the esrog. By the hadasim and the elulav, the Shvis applied to them as well, the Mashmaras the Gemara in Sukkot that Shviz does apply to a lulav and it can be used as a broom. The question is, since that no one's using a lulav as brooms, the halachas still apply. But then again, what's the difference? What does it mean? Can they sell the lulav for a high price or does it have to be also done or it's based in? Now, the answer is it depends which kind of lulav you're buying. Because a lot of these lulav uh, are Egyptian lulav, in which case, uh, anyway, they're not going to have to say Shviz. They are lulav in Israel. That'll be the lulav in Israel. The Arabs for sure there's no kosher sweets, they have no smell, they have no taste, and therefore one doesn't have to, one can pay for Arabs, one can throw out Arabs like normal, there's no dinner of kosher sweets there.